Aren't you happy that we serve a great God? Aren't you happy that he's not a God that's formed with human hands, that he's not a God that's just created out of whatever somebody thought, but he is a God that is eternal from beginning to the end. He is the Lord, our provider. He is always good. He is always great. And we serve him today on this last day of 2017. Can we put our hands? Thank you, worship team. You may God that we serve. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. Congratulations, you made it to the final day of 2017. How many remember Y2K? I was just thinking about Y2K. That was almost 20 years ago. Man, I'm getting old. That was a joke. No offense, Dad. Uh, but today I want to I speak to you uh, about one of my, one of my favorite uh, verses, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Um, it is coming out of Luke chapter 5. And I'll read it for you, and then we're going to talk about it. And I'll tell you why um, I love it so much, because it pertains to something that I love doing. Uh, but I'll read this for you. It says, it's Luke 5, uh, let's see, starting at verse 5. It says, now it happened uh, that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, they're pressing around Jesus, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that is the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you once again for this amazing congregation. I thank you that you are amazing, God, and that we can before you and we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you, Jesus. Bless this together. In Jesus' name, amen. How many people in here love to fish? Raise your hand. I love you. I love you. I love you. Everybody else, I love you. I lo- okay. No, I... I, uh, I love to fish. Matter of fact, uh, I, grew up, I grew up fishing thanks to my parents. They got me hooked at a young age. Um, I actually have uh, a picture. That's the title of the sermon. That's a picture of me, uh, one of my favorite pictures. I, just, I, I think my mom took that or my wife. I don't know. Somebody took that. But uh, that's on my dad's boat. And um, it's gotten to the point now that I have kids that my kids are uh, addicted to fishing. And I mean that in the most literal way uh, my son Caleb has a severe problem. I think we need to take him to get his brain checked because all he ever talks about is fishing. He can name every f- fish species. Tell you, pick a country. He'll name you what fish are there, what they do, how many people they have eaten, all of these different things. Uh, he, he's got a severe problem. But, but I love to fish. My family loves to fish. Uh, I grew up fishing. Um, and that's why this story uh, means so much to me. Um, but how many know, if you know a fisherman, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, all right, so we're getting somewhere. If you know anything about fishermen, you know that fishermen are very peculiar about their stuff, okay? If you, you can't just walk up to a fisherman and ask to use his fishing pole because that's his fishing pole, right? You can't just ask to use, you can't just go and say, hey, uh, you mind if I go with you? I don't know you, but you mind if I go with you on your boat? Like, is that cool? Uh, they're very particular about their stuff, and uh, this I actually brought, I brought um, a fishing net. I don't know why. I just love this net. It's caught a lot of big fish. I think it caught landed this fish. Uh, but uh, 
fishermen are very peculiar about their stuff. Their stuff means a lot, and especially uh, boats. I want to tell you about a time that my wife set me up on a blind date. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, my wife uh, was talking to one of her clients at work, and they started talking about fishing like she knew what she was talking about. That's what women do, right? And so she began to talk to her client, and her client was like, oh, yeah, why don't you, you know, have your, your husband come out with me? I got a bass boat, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, babe, I don't really feel comfortable uh, because it's his boat. I don't know the guy. This is kind of awkward. It's a blind date. You put two guys together. I've never met him. And so anyways, this guy, I meet him, and I just jump in his car. I'm like, hopefully he's not a serial killer, right? And so, um, so we go, and we we get to the boat launch, and everything is completely different from what I know about fishing, about boating. I'm like, okay, this guy's kind of strange. He's doing it his way, and that's fine, right, because people have a particular way of doing whatever it is that they do, and, and so I get in his boat. I don't say anything. I'm polite, I'm, you know, and he just, he gets in this bass boat, and he just, right, and I'm like, whoa, that's a fast boat, and so he's going, and he's telling me all the particulars about his boat, how much horsepower, how, how big the live whale is, all the specs on all of his boat and where the fishing poles go and if this happens then that happens if this happens if we catch a fish this is what we do and he went on and on about his boat because his boat meant so much to him and i still outfished him (laughs) it's true story true story by the way so my wife set me up on that blind date but it was it was interesting to to see his perspective about his boat because a fisherman's boat is is everything to them you can't fish without your boat fishing from shore is lame Fishing from a boat is just better. Uh, and so um, it's, it's their baby. It's, it's their, their, their mode of how, how they go about fishing. And the same must have been true for Peter. And we look at it from a, a, a 21st century point of view where we look at uh, our boats, and this is something we do as a hobby. Uh, I want you to think of it from Peter's perspective, where Peter had a boat, but this wasn't just what Peter did. From scripture. This wasn't something he did on the weekends whenever he got time off from work. This was his work. And we know from scripture that Peter was married. He had a family. He had probably people living in his house, his mother-in-law. There were people around him that, that relied on him to catch fish, to make money in order to live. This wasn't just Peter's hobby. This was Peter's existence. Peter did everything around this boat. And I mean that literally in Capernaum, you would understand that Peter, they say that his house was right next to the Sea of Galilee because he was in a position of prominence in in the the city because he made so much money from his fishing. And so his boat must have meant something to him. And you have all of, uh, you have Peter and, 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 and that boat represents everything about who he was. It was his life. And I want you to know, um, every single one of us has a boat. Every single one of us. And I want you to think about um, what your boat is. And I don't mean that in a literal way. I mean that about what is it about you that makes you tick? What is it in your life? Just like Peter had his boat that was his existence. Everything was wrapped around his boat. What is it in your life? Maybe it's a career that identifies who you are. Maybe it's you as a parent. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your ministry. Whatever it is in your life that, I, that makes you, you. If you took that away, you would no longer be you. And I, I remember a long time ago um, in ministry, it was about me doing ministry. And if you took me being a youth pastor away, then I had no real identity. And many of us get caught up in, in what our boat represents so much in our lives that we focus so much on the boat and not about the person stepping into our boat. And so you have Peter, who's out of his boat at the time. He's washing his nets. Um, 
And so you have Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden, G- Jesus steps into Peter's boat. Now, if this was me, this is just because I'm a confrontational person. Um, if some guy, and I'm not saying Jesus was just a guy because surely Peter knew who he was. He was the rabbi. He was the teacher. He understood who this man was. He hadn't quite fully engaged in his ministry yet, but no doubt Jesus, or Peter knew who Jesus was. But if this was me, I'm just saying, if this was me, somebody stepped into my boat, we're going to be fighting. Okay? I'm just saying, don't jump into my boat without my permission and come on board without asking the captain. You got to know that I'm in control of this thing. And, and here comes Jesus with the audacity to just step in to Peter's existence. Again, this is Peter's whole way of life. This was who Peter was. And here comes in to Peter's doing what Jesus does, teaching the crowd. And all of a sudden, he steps in to Peter's way of going about things. And he says, you know what, Peter, I'm going to use what you have in order to teach them. And I'm going to do some other things along the way. And so this is, uh, this is interesting because Peter, being a good Jew, he must have understood uh, the scripture, uh, tr- uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, right? He understood that the Lord was, Jesus was the Lord and he had stepped into his situation. And so there must be something different happening right now. There must be something going on in Peter's life. He, he surely understood that. You see, we all have a certain mindset. We all have a certain way of going about doing things. We all have a perspective that we have, a, a, a worldview, if you would. We all have that that way of thinking. But how many know that when Jesus steps into that way of thinking, you start to see things a little bit differently than you did before? Because when Jesus steps into things, things begin to change. And we look at the story of Peter, and we see this. uh, And I love love the verse Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 55, 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And that's a good thing. Sometimes we think we got it figured out. But when God steps into it, he's like, hold on. You thought you had it together, but let me show you what's really going on. And so we see Peter, and the first thing that Peter does is Peter allows Jesus in his boat. We don't see confrontation. We don't see uh, any questions being asked. Peter allows Jesus in his boat. And the question I want to ask you today is, have you let Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus in your boat? Now, how many of you have ever met a... um, a total control freak. How many of you are total control freaks? No, I'm just kidding. How many of you have, seriously, raise your hand. If you've ever met somebody who you would deem to be a total control freak, they always have to have something in their, in their, yeah, okay. Don't point to your spouse. Don't do that, okay? But I've met a few of these people, um, and it's interesting because control freaks or, or, or uh, TCFs, as I like to call them, total control freak, um, these are people that always have to have their wins. They always have to have the last word. They always have to know what's going on all the time. They have to have it together 100% of the time. And I think the number one cause of total control freakitis, it's a technical term, I think the number one cause of that is insecurity. And I want to talk a little bit about insecurity just for a second because I think that's something uh, that a lot of us have. And it, insecurity could stem from a million different things. It could be from something from your childhood. Somebody made you feel inferior. You got beat up as a kid, whatever it may be. Insecurity causes us as Christians and as people, really, 
to try to hold on to everything because we're insecure about whatever it is that we're insecure about. And so we feel that we have to do our part in controlling that. And so that causes us to be in control of things. And so when you're insecure, um, you, you have this tendency to, to hold tightly. But something I've learned in ministry over the years is that when you have to be in total control of everything, God cannot be in control of anything. I'll say that again. When you have to be in total control of every little detail in your life, that limits God in being God in your life. You limit God. Peter must have had a feeling that, that this day would be different because, again, he understood the scripture. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. God is the one that gives you the power to be successful. So I just want to ask this. If God gave it to you in the first place, who are you to hold it back from God when he wants to use it now? If God gave it to you in the first place, if he gave you that talent, if he gave you that relationship, if he gave you that career, if he gave you those children, if he gave you that spouse, who are you to try to hold it back and hoard it from God? That boat is, and I want you to think about in your life, this is a kind of a, a inner reflection type of day. I want you to think about whatever it is in your life that you would call your boat. Peter had his physical boat. What is it in your life that is causing you, uh, or that is your way of, uh, your existence, your identity? Um, and a lot of times what we do, we, we hold on to those things, and we need to understand that it's not really ours in the first place. That career, that child, that relationship, that spouse, it's not yours. Even this body that we're living in, it's not yours because it's loaned to you and it is borrowed. And at the end of the day, we're not going to take any of it with us when we go to meet Jesus in glory. So why do we try to hold on to things in the first place? Your boat is not really yours. See, Jesus was the son of a carpenter who created boats but never operated them. Peter was the operator of boats but never created them. And this is the question. What would happen if the creator and the operator came together? That's powerful to think about. And I want to show you a couple pictures. The first picture uh, is, is, a, is a gentleman that I, I admire deeply. Uh, if you watch any Food Network shows, you would know who this is. Uh, this, this is a man by the name of Bobby Flay. He is incredibly anointed in cooking, and he uses the anointing oil. It's a joke. Cooking. Evie, oh, never mind, whatever. So this is, this is Bobby Flay. I've, I've gone on Pinterest. Yes, I go on Pinterest. And I have looked at a lot of Bobby Flay's recipes. He's got numerous cookbooks. He's got numerous television shows. Throw down with Bobby Flay, beat Bobby Flay, punch Bobby Flay in the face. I don't know what, all of the shows that he has. He has all these different shows. And he's, he's an owner of uh, multiple restaurants worldwide. And uh, Bobby Flay is the man when it comes to cooking. Now, if me, I, as the, uh, the operator of whatever it is that I'm trying to make that Bobby Flay has created, if I had Bobby Flay in my kitchen cooking with me, how much more powerful would that steak taste? Do you think I would have a little bit more insight instead of just reading something that Bobby Flay wrote, but if I had Bobby Flay in my kitchen Man, we'd have a meal and we would feed 5,000 people. I'm just, so I'm just saying, 
if the operator and the creator came together. I'll, I'll give you another example. There's another uh, a woman on, on here. Her name, uh, she goes by the name of Elizabeth McGee. Now, may, some of you may not know who that is. Um, she was born in the 1800s. She actually created the game called the Landlord's Game, which eventually got picked up and turned into Monopoly. She is the inventor of Monopoly. So what if we were playing Monopoly together and I hate Monopoly because it's such a complicated game to me. I don't, I don't like sitting down and doing it. But if I did and we were playing Monopoly as a church together right here, right now on New Year's Eve, how much better would it be if the inventor of Monopoly was sitting right there with us telling us exactly how to play and the way it was designed to play? How much more powerful would that be? And I have another one. Uh, there, this is, how many of you have an iPhone and are Christians? Because if you have a Samsung, there's still hope for you. But this man, this is Steve Jobs. Many of you know who that is. How many of us, when the first iPhone came out, if we had the ability to sit down with Steve Jobs, and he had all of the wisdom, and he had all of the knowledge of how the iPhone works, and you could sit down with him, and you could learn from him, and you could ask him questions, how much, more, how much better would you be as an iPhone user? You know, there's things that, that your iPhone does that you just don't know it can do. Especially, I got the iPhone 10. Thank you for Merry Christmas to me. Thank you, honey. But I, there are so many things that the iPhone does. If we had the opportunity to sit down with the engineers at Apple, they would be able to tell us so much more. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Look, God created your destiny, and you make the decisions to shape your destiny why not let the two come together? Because so often we want uh, to worry about all of the things going on. Why not let us drop the worry about our pride, our ego, our insecurity, our identity, and let G can step into in your life? I guarantee you things will be different. When the creator and the operator come together, something good becomes great. Something okay becomes extraordinary. Something functioning becomes flawless. Something existing becomes living and something barely becomes blessed. When Jesus stepped into his boat, everything changed that day for Peter. And this is what I want Jesus in. And look at what Jesus does uh, when he steps into it because we have misconceptions about God. A lot of us view God as this distant God that he's out there just judging us. And, some, and that's fine. Whatever, wherever that came from, that's okay. But I want to tell you today that God is not some distant God. He is a personal God. And he wants to step in right where you are today. In the middle of your mess, he wants to step into it. And look at what Jesus did when he stepped into Peter's boat. He blessed it. Because what God occupies, God blesses. God cannot bless what he cannot occupy. And now, in verse 5, it, uh, it says, or Luke 5, it says, Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And I could imagine... Uh, Peter, with the, the response, he looks at Jesus. Jesus is, is this man walking and teaching all these people, but then he steps into his boat and he tells Peter, go out, put your nets out a little further. Master, we've caught nothing all day. I've worked hard all day and haven't caught anything. And I can imagine just the, ugh, really? Jesus, you're going to tell me to go do? But because you say so, I'll do it. That's the answer that God wants to hear from us. See, sometimes your attitude doesn't even matter. It's the fact that you obey in the first place. Look at Jonah. The story of Jonah, we see that Jonah didn't want to do it. 
He didn't want to do what he was called to do. But at the end of the day, he did it. And sometimes your, uh, your attitude isn't the, the one thing that matters. It's the fact that you obey in the first place. And so maybe God is calling you to do something, and maybe you're a little hesitant to do it. That's okay. I don't believe that God stops calling us because we have a bad attitude. I believe that God continues to call us until we step into what God calls us to do. Amen? So the power of obedience. Um, look at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people will humble themselves because, understand, obedience requires humility. And sometimes we live in a society that tells us we don't need to be humble and we don't need to obey because we can do our own thing. But when Jesus steps in, we need to understand the biblical principle that if we would humble ourselves and we would obey and do what God asks us to do, then he will heal and he will bless. That's the biblical principle. Our issue is that we let Jesus put one foot in the boat but not occupy our boat. We want to hear, but do we listen fully? We want to go, but do we go all the way? We want to obey, but do we yield fully to the leading of the Holy Spirit? When God occupies, God blesses. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that your body is a temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? This is the idea of complete occupation of your body. The Holy Spirit does not want to just float around you and then whenever you ask him to come in, he will come in. That's not the way it works. That's not good sound theology. That's not the way it happens. When we ask God to come in and fill our lives, he comes in and fills us to the fullest he comes in and he baptizes us and we are filled with his presence and therefore we walk around all day every day filled with just the spirit of jesus and we have the ability everywhere we go to carry god with us and that is the principle of god and when we obey god will fill god will fill us our relationship with god is not something that we can pick and choose from when i want god i'm going to ask him to come and a lot of us think well uh, my, my my kids are obeying me now so God, I'll, I'll ask you to deal with that when they're bad. Or my relationship uh, with, with my wife is, is good now, but when, when I need you, God, I'll, I'll ask for you. And I am reminded of a story um, when I was uh, younger in ministry. It was, it was years ago. Uh, we, we ran across this couple. Uh, that were, they were saved. They were going to church. Um, but they had some problems in their, in their marriage. And um, they were going through some things. And so they came to us and, and we sat down with them and come to find out um, that growing up, each of them, the, the husband and the wife, each of them both went through abuse as children. Um, one verbal abuse from the father, one physical abuse from their father. And um, they carried this all the way until they got married. And so the two come together and now they carry this abuse from their past into their relationship and they had all these questions, what we're going through, and they realized that they had to allow God to occupy their marriage in order for it to be blessed. Because you can get married at the altar, but still not invite God in completely. You may, you may go at, to a church and get married, but do, have you let Jesus in to your marriage? Have you openly, and, and well, see, this is the thing. We, we sat down with this couple and we identified all these different things, and then what they did, um, they looked at each other and they said, you know what, we're going to make this work. We're, we're going to fight for our marriage. And they ended up doing that. And what they did, they made a deliberate prayer to invite Jesus into their marriage. And from that point forward, 
They didn't just say a prayer. They, they made a deliberate effort to invite Jesus in. And from that day forward, their marriage was blessed. Not only that, they could have children when they couldn't have children before. And now they're involved in ministry, doing so many things together as a married couple that they never thought they would do. All because they made a, a decision to allow Jesus to occupy their marriage. And I want to encourage you today, if you're struggling with something, if you're fighting with things, I want you to, to make the decision to let Jesus occupy whatever boat that is that you have today. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're going through, let Jesus occupy it. And the last uh, final point is this. Peter left, let it all go to follow Jesus. Have you let it go? And this is, this is, this is something crazy um, that I find, find kind of radical. After Peter uh, let Jesus into his boat, Jesus blesses his boat. It says there were so many fish that they were about to sink. Uh, all of this stuff is going on. Jesus blessed it tremendously. And then at the end of that, it says that Peter pulled his boat up onto shore dropped his nets, left everything, and followed Jesus. That's completely radical because I can just imagine the people that were around Peter. I can imagine uh, the, the, the negative negativity, all of the people that must have surrounded him because this was, after all, this was his identity. This was who he was. This was in the community. He was known as a fisherman. How in the world, Peter, are you going to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing? How could you stop being a fisherman? You've been raised this way. Maybe your dad was a fisherman. You've been going, you, this is who you are, Peter. This is who you are. How in the world can you just drop everything all at one time? And I can imagine Peter's response. He's my Lord. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? And how do I know that, that people must have been questioning Peter? Because I've been there. I've been involved in ministry. I know what it's like to, to have a solid career, a solid foundation, a solid, you know, you have all of this stuff, all the notoriety. I know what that's like. And then to be called into to missions, have all the people around you that you thought were there for you, must have, they, they turn and they say, you know, really? You're going to go to the mission field? There? To a third world country? What if your kids get sick? What if, what if there's a terrorist attack? What if all of these things, and they start to bring in all this doubt into, into my mind, and I, I was there, I've been there. I still to this day have people questioning, are you sure you want to make that decision? Are you sure you want to leave the platform that you had to go and serve people who don't know Jesus at all? Are you sure? And my response is, yeah, he's my Lord. I'll follow him to the ends of the earth. And I'll do that at whatever cost. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I have understood what Peter understood that day, that we are called to let it go. We are called to drop our nets, stop doing what we were doing before, and follow Jesus. And this is, this is something that I could imagine. I want you to see Peter on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus stepping into his boat after they've caught all these fish. And then he makes the decision in his mind. I could see him singing this worship song. This is an amazing worship song. And this is something that, uh, an old hymn that I think uh, is very relevant. Let's watch it today. Jesus, take the
And the church said, amen. No, seriously, because, um, yeah, Carrie Underwood, she sings, she sings uh, amazing songs and things like that. But I think, honestly, um, for us to yield to God and say, you know what, Jesus, I want you to drive. I want you to take the wheel of my life. I'm going to drop it all. And what happens when Peter leaves is, is this. He takes Peter and he upgrades his life. When we realize that our life is not built, and we can show God that our life is not built around all of the systems and the structures and the securities, he will upgrade our status. And this is what, what Jesus does, does to Peter. He takes him from a fisherman, and he says, from now on, you will fish for men. And this is something that he had a net like this, and it was limited to a single space where he could catch, catch fish in an area so big. And then Jesus takes his life, and he multiplies applies that net and makes it worldwide and he says you know what i'm going to take what you have and because you have shown me that you're not relying upon what you can do you're not relying upon the systems you're not relying upon your relationships with people you're not relying upon that career i'm going to take what you had because you were willing to drop it all i'm going to take that and i'm going to multiply it to the nations and we see in the book of Acts, when Peter opens his mouth, 3,000 are added to the church in a single pre sermon. 3,000 people. And he goes from catching fish in a single location to a worldwide message. When we let it go and we let Jesus take the wheel of our life, he can take what we have and he will multiply it and he will upgrade it to something that we've never seen before. Look, I want us to look at Exodus thirty-three fifteen. It says, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. And I think that's a perfect prayer to end on going into 2018. If you don't personally go with us, Jesus, if you're not controlling this boat, if you're not in complete control of my life, I don't want to go. I don't want to step into 2018 if you're not there with me. If you're not there driving, check this out. Jesus has never failed. So many of us want, uh, want to hang on to all of these things. We want us to, we want to have our input and have God's opinion on the, on the outside. But God isn't about that. Jesus has never failed. He's batting a thousand. He's never struck out. Jesus will take your boat, whatever it is you have today, your relationship, your children, your career, your ministry. He will take it today and he will bless it. And not only will he bless it, but he will upgrade it. And I promise you that Jesus wants to bless you today. And he will not run it into the ground. He won't crash on the rocks. Sometimes I think we, we mistrust, we distrust God so much with what we have. And I think that God wants to, wants to know that we trust him with our boat. So I want us to close our eyes today. And I want to just pray for you. And I want to just declare some things. Um, and as you identify that boat, as you, as you say, you know what, Jesus, I, I, yeah, I need you to, to take control of my children. They're not listening to me. I need you to, you know, my, my school, my career, whatever it is, Jesus, I want you to take complete control of it. And I don't want to step into 2018. I don't want midnight to come tonight without you going before me, Jesus. Just like Moses prayed, if you don't personally go with us, don't send us from here. Don't let, let us leave 2017 without your presence going with us, Jesus. I want Jesus in everything that I do. And these are the commitments right there in your heart with your eyes closed. Nobody, 
nobody looking around. I want you to just pray right there in your heart as we step into 2018, our commitments to God today. Number one, let Jesus step into your boat. Whatever it is that you've identified today, whatever that thing may be, right there, all you need to say is, let Jesus step into my marriage. We've been struggling. Jesus, step in right now. I allow you to come in. Maybe your heart has been hardened by something that's happened in the past. Jesus, come into my heart. My mind has been messed up. Jesus, step into my my mind. Whatever it is. Number two, obey him once he's in your boat. Once Jesus is in there, I want you to obey him to the fullest because he will never let you go. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never crash your boat. And let God take complete control with your life. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for this year. I thank you for all the ups and downs and the the things that we've experienced uh, individually and and, and corporately as a nation, as a world, God, this year that we've, we've encountered. God, I thank you for it. I thank you that you have never left us. You have never abandoned us. You have never forsaken us, Jesus. God, as we open our hearts, as we open our boats to you, Jesus, I pray that we would just allow you to come in and that you would do something magnificent with every single one of us in 2018. God, I pray that you would go before us and that you would go behind us, God, that you would not let us go into 2018 without your spirit with us. So, Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you.